0: or should i say i mean we're one day away i mean clearly we all feel it here in, in our separate rooms happy halloween yes and welcome to out of the podcast uh we're making mitchum proud once again beyond our namesake he's back at the plate this is going to be a good one and it's going to be a good one for many ways you're about to find out dan the yes, man I'm here that was how you were you That's were uh, named in a review so we'll all call you that today Gentleman Joey here to say welcome to the show. And a big welcome to the show to our special guest, Mr. John Massino. Welcome to the
1: show. Thank you, lads. Uh, first time, long time. Abso- absolutely.
0: This this is the man. <laughs> that I always wanted to, to say that. <laughs> you, welcome to it. I'm so glad to give you the opportunity. This is the man that if you put the two lads together, this is who you would get. <laughs> to make a Bill and Ted two reference, this is Station right here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a great reference! And hopefully, this is not a bogus journey. Oh, <laughs> oh, I don't
0: think so at
1: all. We get it's going to be so hard to do this episode. Where
0: I'm looking at your beautiful bookshelf behind you, I see swamping omnibuses. To keep things on topic, I see stray bullets there in the corner that you just took the camera away from. What? I see the Rocky Four robot to keep things uh, topical with our show. I. Yes. It's incredible, incredible. Last episode.
2: And of, and of course, all the Jaws stuff, too. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's that was like a given, but... Well, I mean, very somehow very when we
0: do our Jaws episode, you know you're coming back. I mean, unless you really tank it today, but I don't see that happening.
1: We could we could potentially uh, spin Jaws into being a neo-noir. We could. That's, that's okay. pretty easy. I mean, I we have next month... We,
0: I was saving the announcement for the end of the episode, but we have neo-noir member about to drop Oh. Boy, that's tempting. I mean, we, we had the lineup, but that is tempting. Possible bonus episode in the works.
1: <laughs> There's so many Neonorms. Well, thank you all. Um, or I should say thank you both. I hope it wasn't a crack to, um, if you put both Joey and Gentleman Joe and Dastardly Dan together. There if, it is. Age-wise, you get John <laughs> Latino's age, because uh, I'm up there, but uh, I've been We're- around the, uh, the alleyway. Many i tups. think we're
0: all not young pups anymore we're all just a part of the same you get to an age where you're just all the same you know we're all just people you, got, you guys can dying. grow better
1: beards than me though so that's the thing
0: i don't yeah. know man yours is yours I, just going
2: pretty darn good right now
0: absolutely yours was the blueprint that we all
1: followed
2: yes gee thanks <laughs> no, i'm really excited to be here i actually
1: the one quick thing i wanted to mention is boy do i love the theme song and God. i loved it i might even mention it from day one because it takes me back to um staying up as a kid watching Saturday night dead anybody who's grown up in this area which would be dan maybe yeah. do you remember in the 80s
2: i was a little bit too young i think i, I don't really remember tonight. that
1: that was our um Svengooli our El- Elvira
2: i forget god i forget her was name was that on
1: prism or something no that was, this was like local local okay. nbc nbc really well, wasn't nbc 10 at time so she was our like host and it was Saturday Night Dead, and she would do, you know, horror movies, cheesy horror movies. You know, you Spenguilla said that when you said that Ray.
0: title the second time, I got it, I got it. Saturday Night Dead. There it is, yeah. <laughs> that's
1: great. But yeah, that was her theme song as well. So, oh, the official. Actually. The official name is the. Um, it's not a Cab Calloway, but it, it's a it's it's of that era, right? The name, that's yeah, it's the song. it's. <laughs> I forgot the title already.
2: <laughs> well, Joe, you found that, right? That was, that was, you, you picked I, that, right? Yeah,
0: I did. I asked my roommate who is an expert on all things, good music, especially like old jazz and things like that, because we were going for that kind of vibe, what would sure. work? And he instantly suggested that. The Mooch, I want to say.
1: The Mooch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think was thinking maybe right. the yeah. Moocher, Cab Calloway, but yes, maybe the <laughs> Moocher,
0: but yeah, it definitely that was his first suggestion. And as soon as I heard that, I'm like, that's the one. And I'm glad to hear that uh, Saturday Night Dead thought the same thing.
1: Well, yes, it's perfection. And, and thank
2: you guys for having me. Sure. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you.
0: You know, you made a Jersey reference and I have to make a Connecticut reference. And I'll say that John is the one person who I, when I can make references to the middle of nowhere of Connecticut, he knows what I'm talking about. Because when he, he toured back in the day, he stayed at my place in the middle of nowhere. And that, that was that was good to have you.
1: I think we used to call in the, in the, uh, the days, some of the old bands I was in, you know, we were from Philly and Jersey, but like Connecticut was home because we played more shows in Connecticut. We played, you know, we were more, we had bigger crowds in Connecticut than we did in Philadelphia. So uh, we loved you. always love for Connecticut. That's good to hear. We
0: loved you. And we were glad to have you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background with noir, film noir? How'd
1: you get into it and what do you like about it, sir? Sure. Well, why are you here? Beyond why being the friend? heck am I here? <laughs> so, uh, let's let's tell the let's tell the listeners. Aside from the fact that I love movies in general and I love you guys and your collective love of movies, I um. Well, I dabbled in. I mean, I always loved movies my whole life, and I dabbled in film studies in college, and so I probably saw a lot of like the good ones, the big ones in there. I actually still have. I still have my textbook oh. freshman year in college, film art. Oh wow, off. Bordwell Thompson, David Bordwell, noted stuffy film critic um, <laughs> has guaranteed buyback sticker on it from the college bookstore, expires 1997. So there you go. Uh-oh. We've yeah. now officially dated myself. So there I'm is. glad you got out. in
0: there in time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, so I was definitely watching a lot of like, like didn't know the term film noir as a kid, but I really have to um, owe it all to my mom. She was really the source of my love for old movies in general classic movies, but particularly film noir too, and and Hitchcock, she used to tape everything off of cable for us, or anything that might have been on Saturday Night Dead, for instance, particularly Prism. Prism was a big one. It was a local cable. It was like our version of HBO. Um, We taped them on our beta VCR. So again, dating myself. (laughs) And we'd watch all of them. For me, it started with the Universal Monsters, as far as my love of classic film pretty much a no brainer probably for many of us here. But then it was Turner classic movies easily. I mean, we we go back, I used to watch when George Clooney's dad was the host and then yeah. Robert Osborne was the host. And my mom and I would, nobody else in the family cared about the older, older movies as we did. Um, and she got that love of older movies from her mom too. So there was just, we watched so many and we I still have like stacks of baited tapes that I would use to go through the TV guide and see what was on that was like an old movie. Is it Was it a film noir we hadn't seen before? And I would program them, and they'd be taping throughout the night, and we'd have the SLP, which was the extended long play that you could fit six hours, and it'd be the horrible resolution. Okay. But you could fit six hours of movies, and it would just tape overnight, and I would have stacks and stacks of them. Back and when resolution
0: all- <laughs> meant nothing, you know?
1: No, I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I loved taping the commercials, too, if they were on, like, you know, regular um, TV and not cable. So we would love to watch the commercials too. I love going back to them now. But um, since the pandemic started too, that's kind of what's been keeping my mom and I going. We text every day about uh, what did she watch on TCM the other night? What did I watch? She watches Noir Alley on Sunday mornings because she's she you know, it's a little too late for her. The Same. Night before, I Same. It's, yeah, it's a little too Saturday. late
0: for me a couple of times too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm usually up late, but thanks to the trusty DVR. Um, I'm be able to watch them. So that's probably where it came from. Um, it's been with me my whole life. I just didn't know to call it film noir until college. Wow.
0: Well, it was worth it, worth all that money for that alone, right? Oh, yeah. What's the last good thing you saw on TCM or, or good film noir? What's the last one that really struck you that comes to mind?
1: I saw something. Well, first of all, Seventh Victim, I know, is a previous episode. I saw that when it aired last Halloween. And then, again, <laughs> it was on recently that you guys got a chance to catch up. But I saw something and I can't remember the title, and I'm hoping one of you can, can remind me, was, I wouldn't necessarily consider it a noir, but it was, it was one, Dana Delaney was the guest, and she was, it was a, with uh, Gloria Graham, okay, and it was with I an Italian actor, who was like an, a, an, a, an immigrant that snuck in on a boat from Ellis Island, and I believe his whole backstory was that he, it was post-war, obviously, as many great noirs are, he was like a, an informant to help the Allies, in Italy uh, during World War II, and then they just kind of lost track of him. So he was hoping to get a, a start and be welcomed with open arms in America. Obviously is not, and I think he's just on the run the whole movie. I don't know what it's called. I have <laughs> heard of it before, but I loved it, as cheesy as it was.
0: I watched the other one with Glenn Ford with the train.
1: The oh, movie. yes, I saw that too, yes. Yeah, Boy, that one was good. Yeah. Rough ending.
0: Very rough ending, apart for the course, but definitely that one stood out a lot. I, I think I DVR'd what you're talking about, that me and Dan are both. Or, did Dan, did you already come up with
2: it? I was trying, I was trying to look it up. I don't – I actually – I'll admit, I haven't watched Noir Alley in, in a minute. It's been a little bit of time. I go through, like, streaks where I'll watch a bunch in a row, and then, like, other stuff, like, in life will happen. I'll just, like, miss it. I was trying to look up Gloria – you said it was Gloria Graham, right? Gloria Graham yeah. Ch- – was she also in the uh, the train one with Glenn Ford, correct?
0: Yeah, I do believe that was her. Yeah.
2: yeah. That one just came up. I remember that one coming on TCM recently. I think um,
0: – Yeah. I don't know if it was quite Noir Alley because I know they were like doing like three movies in a row that led up to Noir Alley mm-hmm. that night because Dana Delaney wrote the new.
2: I think The Glass Wall was one. I think that was it because it's it, Vittorio Gassman's in it and he's, he's an Italian yes. actor. So that, there I think it is. that's that the one. Because he, he he's, in, he's in, um, what's it called? Um, one of my favorite Italian movies and my brain is like Il Sorpaso. Which is on Criterion, which, yeah, he's that's one of the main characters, and I love that movie. I, I watch that movie all the time. He's a, he's a great it out. actor.
1: Check well, We are a big TCM house here. I, every year I get, I'm doing visual aids for Joey and Dan, but <laughs> no one else who's listening can see, but my mom gets me like a TCM noir book every, oh, every oh, Christmas. awesome. So we have Into the Dark, The Hidden World of Film Noir, 41 to 50, with oh, a dark. forward from Eddie Muller, of course. Of, of course. course. And then this year for my birthday, she got me Dark City, The
2: Lost World of
1: Film Noir, which is the revised and expanded
2: edition by Eddie Muller. Yes. I've been meaning to get that. I think that'll probably be something I asked for for Christmas.
1: (laughs) uh, Oh, literally turn to this page, the patron saint, (laughs) Bobby Mitchum. There he is.
0: Looking like a hunk, stoned off his gourd. (laughs) Probably, Probably. I'm going to say definitely.
1: I have no doubt about it. So it's uh, it's no secret to this podcast that yeah TCM is a is a patron saint along with uh, Robert Mitchum in in our my mom and in, in my hearts.
0: Do you have a favorite Mitchum? Are you are you comfortable enough ranking? I, I mean,
1: um, out of the past, I mean it has to be. I, mean, I wouldn't say that's while that's probably the quintessential noir, certainly for this podcast, I wouldn't say that's my favorite noir. But um, I did recently, sadly, watch. Um, speaking of neo noir, November. Another hint for that. I did watch his, his final tune noirs he did in the late seventies. Oh remake that, of that,
0: oh. Uh, yeah, that Shout Factory did a double blu ray.
1: Yeah. yeah. I like the first all- one, Christian. but the
0: second one it wasn't wasn't so hot, but
1: Agreed. It was a remake of Farewell, my lovely. Yes. It was filmed in the seventies and it had that seventies sheen to it and the haircuts were a little too seventies, but it was it took place in the forties. And at least he was playing a washed up Marlowe, right? Right, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other one was a remake of The Big Sleep. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Somehow strangely set in, in London, and they just mentioned he's some American dude that it just happens to be a PI in London. I think that one is in the, like, they move it to the 70s, too. Like, I think and that one they updated, yeah. It's in London, and it's not in L.A., and it's in the <laughs> present day, and it's just rough outside of John Collins showing up randomly. Um, I it, mean, that it's, it's,
0: that it's, alone it's just sets, sets the tone of what you're getting, that's, and absolutely yeah. is i mean i think for that era you know I, i'm recommending like a yakuza friends of eddie coyle friends, so friends of
2: eddie coyle's, coyle's up there for me yeah,
0: yeah. formerly a criterion geez. no longer has
1: been stolen from the collection by paramount nice. well, i got my dvd downstairs still hanging on to that one and and the yakuza too i have it was not a criterion but what a our special edition of that out there right it's more yeah we're ar- all yeah
0: Beautiful print, beautiful movie. We will we'll get to it at some point. Uh, and then I guess this question goes for everybody. Now that we'll get into it, when do you remember watching The Night of the Hunter?
1: So I remember seeing scenes of it as a kid, again, with my mom, I don't know where it was. I remember seeing, I mean, the, some of this, as we'll talk about some of the visuals are so like just unforgettably striking. Oh yeah. I just remember seeing the scene of Mitchum chasing the kids up from the basement as a kid and being frightened. Yeah. I think it was, there was like a horror movie marathon on PHL 17 or something, maybe even TCM when I was a little kid. And then I saw it again right after college, like fully. And then, like I said, I, it hasn't been, and maybe it's been 10 years. And I think I caught the tail of it on TCM. And I, and I forget, again, we'll get into it. I thought the whole movie was marrying some into the, into the family to get the plot going and it would be the mm-hmm. whole thing. But no, it's really... Two different movies, oh, and so yeah. I caught the tail end of it, which we'll talk about, which is almost like a completely different movie, and not realizing that it was the same movie. So, <laughs> yes. so like I said, it's been a while, but that was the first—the first time I saw it was as a little kid, just some couple images on TV.
0: Lucky. That sounds lucky. I would have
1: loved to have seen this as a kid.
0: I, th- yeah. I remember it being like referenced, you know, in retrospect, but I had no idea. Same
2: for me. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it until I was much older.
0: I don't know yeah. about you, Dan, but for me, it was once the Criterion edition had come out. Yeah. And I that was, I was really already just getting it. into Mitchum. Yeah. Um, it came out in the, at the end of 2010. Yeah. I would say that, that was it for me. Criterion just did a, uh, one of the best graphic design jobs. I mean, I would say this is like as essential a Criterion as it gets. You have to have a copy of Night of the Hunter. Just the print, the special features, the design, it's this is the stuff you get nerdy about with that kind of thing. I thought
2: you were going to say, this is the stuff that dreams are made of. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, if I agree I, with If you. I
0: was a clever person, but yes, <laughs> I, I would also say that as well.
2: That's why I'm here. I, 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 have to come, I have to come up with the one-liners.
0: Thank you, Dan. You are Dan the one-liner on of the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Night of the Hunter, episode 43. We're here, folks. This was released July 26, 1955 from United Artists, everybody's favorite artist-friendly production company. Really, everyone involved with this movie is going to get such a special shout-out because every facet of it just really brings it to the table. Distributor, shout-out to them. Old Paul Gregory Productions from producer Paul Gregory. Hey, wonderful job. Thanks for getting this thing started. Directed by Charles Lawton. Oh, my God. First-time director. Only-time director. Huh. Uh, actor. The original actor's actor, I would say. Just amazing, amazing work he did. Screenplay by James Agee based on the novel of the same title by Davis Grubb. That's two B's, baby. Edited by Robert Golden, did a golden job with the film. Cinematography by Stanley Cortez. I mean, you could just coast on cinematography alone in this movie. Oh, yeah. And a musical by Walter Schumann, which is a musical-ass film. Like, there's a lot of music and singing and... So yeah, that, not that just is-
1: the score and, like, the cues, but the actual songs, both... Sung and on the soundtrack too. It yeah, it's fully musical. This movie and not in an obtrusive way. At no, least I No, say that we'll it into.
0: absolutely belongs. It's not like someone's just breaking out into song. It's just like no, we're we're rowing down a river, terrified for our lives. Like why not uh, <laughs> sing a little sorrow's full song? Uh welcome oh, to Pearl. the show. Oh Pearl, yeah, we will oh, get Pearl, into we'll Pearl. get into Pearl. We'll get Love into it. Pearl.
1: <laughs> and Big Brother John.
0: Yes, the the whole Harper family. We are into it and we're going to open up. We got to see Lillian Gish right off the bat to set the tone. Let us know what's going on. Little kid head floats are going to float. It's a, wi- that's a wild beginning, but it is amazing.
2: It also kind of makes me think of Dune. And I wonder if that's where Lynch got it. Cause the intro oh. of Dune's pretty similar with uh, Boy, Virginia, Virginia, it, Madison. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I didn't see that in any special facts, but I, I think you nailed it. That seems possible. I mean, we've yeah. gone over how Lynch is so influenced from these film noir, so I would not. put it
1: But past. particularly this one, I mean, yeah, there's there's some like like the things in in a lot of the like Blue Velvet, for instance, where like scree- like just bursts of of anger come out of nowhere, particularly with like um in in Blue Velvet, like some of the screams that Mitchum does, they kind of come out of nowhere, like you don't. Oh yeah, they're jarring.
2: Yeah no david lynch equals jar yes, in <laughs> yeah in a good way but that's
1: the whole movie i think was definitely in his uh realm of influence
2: i think it's also because i wa- i just got the uh the arrow 4k steel thing of dune because i it's pretty well known that i'm a <laughs> my hard dune fan so i you recently did. watched you, i really you gotta yeah. speak
0: up about this i I've, i'm I so disappointed in you
2: yeah i know but see i mean i'm not necessarily one that like has to have something like an actual like 4k disc but i, I will say it looked it looked amazing it looked really really cool i haven't watch watched that. mine yet i was hoping you got the
1: super duper deluxe steelbook one right you, that's oh the one yeah you got, right? oh steelbook, no yeah
2: oh yeah when i saw it like, was the like, lead Yes, I said whatever. I, I basically said to myself and at my computer, I said, "Whatever one's the more expensive and more elaborate one, that's the one. That's the answer. The, that's the one that that's I'm getting." That's pretty
1: much how I shop these days. Yes, I just got word. Speaking of that, that I'm getting my Halloween one through five 4K UHD oh, yeah. Super Deluxe box with the vinyl seven inches Oof. and the pin set from Shout Factory. It's, it's actually on the truck as we speak. We might actually have a live. We might have it unboxing. Wow. Box. It says it's on the truck from UPS today. So yes. I mean, we'll try Dan, to stall for time as
0: much as we can.
1: That would be <laughs>
0: <laughs> that'd be a good time. I'm just me and I'm just waiting for my John Carpenter Halloween two uh, Halloween kills soundtrack tape. Ooh, there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm excited papers. for his new uh new soundtrack as always.
2: I got the King of
0: King of the soundtrack, that Carpenter. Yes. Shout out to him. We know he's a listener. Uh if he, you know he he listens to this while he's playing video endless video games, as he's known for it. Yes. So yeah, we open with that. She's telling a southern gothic parable. But, yeah, I mean this movie is takes place in the south. I don't know if I ever get that impression too much. I mean, if unless you're really looking for it, it's just so otherworldly. Like it doesn't even feel like planet Earth in many ways.
1: It's so a fairy tale. It's a fairy tale war. I guess that's the official, unofficial category and it's such a melding I
0: mean and you're saying like you know they showed it for like horror you know like to have like a horror marathon like TCM and then they also it's a film noir and then it's a Christmas movie too you know Mm -hmm. and it's a fairy tale like and it's a musical it's so many different things and somehow it all just works together yeah (laughs) Yeah, oh and also
1: it's super terrifying yeah yeah. he killed 25 people I'm jumping ahead very quickly but he says six in the beginning and he's like oh I've lost count and then in the very you find out it's way more than six that he is charged with killing. This yes. is, that's insane. Like, he's a full-on Southern Gothic serial killer.
0: So this was based on a real murderer, Harry Powers. He was hanged in 1932 for the murders of two widows and three children in quiet Dell, West Virginia. And he lured his victims with Lonely Hearts advertisements, claiming that he was looking for love, but he was really looking for blood and took their money as well. So, yeah. Shout out to uh, Harry Powers there. <laughs> Thanks for the plot of the movie. Just a slight name change, you know. Just just
3: this <laughs> little
0: Uh So Lillian Gish plays Rachel Cooper. That name will become more important later. But she's saying, hey, you got to watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, unfortunately, the kids, they missed out this lesson. Or they're the reason this lesson exists. Maybe the whole thing is the parable. Who knows? We're coming up with fresh ideas as we're talking it out. But we open up after that. We're in a farmhouse. It's a beautiful day. Kids are playing. And one of them is hiding in the cellar. And when they open the door, they see corpse legs. A young woman's legs are there. And we find out that miles away, we got old Harry Powell, Robert Mitchum. He's he's the one who did it. And he's driving a stolen Model T. And he's having himself a conversation with the lord, you know. Yeah. <laughs> They're on a first name basis those two and he's just figuring out his earthly mission in life. He feels like he's he needs to go take out some of the worst people in society, vain women who use lust to ensnare men. You can't have that. So he's the one who's going to handle that situation. He
3: says,
2: "Well now, what's it to be, Lord? Another widow?" How many's it been? 6 12 I just remember
3: it. You say the word, Lord. I'm on my way.
2: You always send me money to go forth and preach your word. A widow with a little wad of bills hid away in a sugar bowl. Sometimes I wonder if you really understand. Not that you mind the killings. Your book is full of killings. But there are things you do hate, Lord. Perfume smelling things. Lacy things. Things with curly hair. And uh, so he has a peep show.
0: <laughs> As you do. <laughs> and he doesn't like that. He's, he's not having a good time. And this is where we get the introduction to the world-famous Knuckles. He get love on the right hand, hate on the left hand. As a lefty, a little offended, but that's all right.
1: Even more so when he goes into uh, a little bit later is the story itself and the left versus the right.
0: Oh, yes. Old, old left hand, right hand. He also he, he loves himself a switchblade. He, he's always got a switchblade on him. He's even ripping it through his pocket as he's getting mad. That's not good for your clothes, but I, maybe he's a master sewer as well. We don't know. So he's watching this striptease happen, and then the police, they come in. They're, they're stopping him for the car robbery, and he's charged with a 30-day stay in Moundsville Penitentiary. And that's, that's probably going to work out for him because he's going to have a cellmate that might have some good info for him.
1: What a great uh, cellmate he is, too. The woman oh, yes. and only.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should meet him. So let's go to another part of town. We see, we meet John, Billy Chapin. We'll get into him and Pearl in a second. But yeah, him and Pearl, they're playing in the front yard. We got Miss Jenny the doll. I'm sure she's not really going to be too important. I don't know why I brought that up. But not at all. their father comes back. Ben Harper, played by Peter Graves. He also deserves a shout out. He's brief in this movie, but he is he's so good in his brief time. He makes the most of it. But he's coming back. He's got $10,000, which adjusted for inflation, fun fact, is about $100,000. So this was a good take. Okay. He took the money. He killed some people. And then he's like minutes ahead of the police. They're on their way. And he goes and hides it. We can't quite see where it is. And then he says, John, you got to watch out for this money. I'm, try- I'm looking out for you guys. I'm trying to get you a better life here. Your mom kind of sucks. I don't want her to know about it. You can't really trust Pearl. So really, it's just your secret. You got it. You got to handle it. You got you to gotta swear, John. And don't reveal the location of the money. You got to be a good son. And so he promises the police arrive, and they beat this man for what he did right in front of him. And John doesn't like it. It makes him sick to his stomach. He says, don't. Real traumatizing moment. And hopefully, he doesn't have to see anything like that ever again.
2: Yeah, I wonder.
0: But- <laughs> we'll see we'll see so ben harper he's going to jail he's going to be hanged for murder and while he's waiting execution he's just chilling in his bunk bed and old harry powell's there he pops up upside down mitchum comes in ready to play it is That's a good shot it's so great and he like punches him and he just flies right off he is he's that very animated with him
1: when yeah. when you just you haven't seen him for a little bit right and it's, it's been a minute, especially when he's the lead of the movie, if you will. And then all of a sudden, he's just, you just see his head pop down from the top bunk. He's like, huh? Money? What? Yeah.
0: Oh, he's like Daffy Duck in this thing. I mean, he is oh. just like hooting and hollering and having a blast like we all are. So yeah, he knows that there's some money, but he's not able to get any info from Ben. He's like, he talked in his sleep, but it really didn't lead him to too much other than that the money exists. But Powell, he's like, you know what? I got what I need. I think this is enough information. I'm going to find your widow and this will work. I got the Lord on
1: my side. You know, I do want to really quickly go back to Peter Graves again. Yes, please. This movie has a lot of like bit parts where people are just so, so damn good in these tiny parts. Like Peter Graves, I did not know he was that good of an actor. I mean, we all know of our era. We know him as being older. He was in the Mission Impossible TV show, but really as the pilot in Airplane, right? And biography. So like, and by yes. And like seeing people like him and like Robert Stack and certainly the king of them all, Leslie Nielsen, where like they were super serious. And then they kind of played on that super seriousness for comedic effect. later leader in life is these white haired old men. But to see them young and like really, really act and like really sink their teeth in this tiny role, which is kind of amazing. And there is a deleted scene. Dan, you might know this uh, and Joey on the the uh, the Criterion disc of that was acted out on the Ed Sullivan show. Yeah. With, with uh, Shelley Winters and him and just, just the acting that they did in that one little scene that he did in particular, I was like, he was amazing. I thought, he, he was my wow. Like, I did not expect Peter Graves to show up in such a small part and be this good. Um, I mean, a lot of that
0: is credit to the director, Charles Lawton. Like, everyone really just respected him and he knew how to talk to actors. So, I mean, everyone really wanted to bring it for him. I, mean, I would even say, we're about to get to her, Shelley Winters, who I'm not really a fan of. I mean, I don't hate her, but I mean, I'm not, running to the townspeople saying, I know you're on the way to put out a fire, but please listen to me about Shelley Winters. <laughs> she's great in this. I, I think she's, she's, she's just
1: such a great, great job. Yeah. She's always good in those like thankless roles. Yeah. Place in the sun, she's amazing, but it's just an annoying thankless role. Right. L- Lolita, same thing, but particularly Place in the Sun. I think she's great. But yeah, again, one of the things later in her career, she's sort of just plays for laughs and, and, and plays for... Over the topness, but in this and and certainly this and place in the sun, which I think were like the same year or one came out maybe like a year right before place mm-hmm. in the Sun and she got rave reviews for that small part too, but these thankless roles of the men who don't really want to be with her, but she really wants to be with them
0: yeah, we did on- on- against tomorrow that. and she showed up in that and it was it was yes. definitely the same thing, but she she did a great job in that too so definitely uh justice for Shelley Winters is what we're uncovering here if we can yeah cut to the next day we're at well not the next day but a day uh, we're at school john and pearl are getting taunted by this hangman song that is so catchy oh. it is it's, it's tough i mean you're like i'm anti-bullying but it, when it's put to a song like that you really question it it was so catchy shout out to the yeah. hangman song
2: Ping, hang hum. see what the hangman does
1: Kids are so evil. Doing the in general, or the hangman. Kids.
0: Oh, yeah, they're awful.
1: Oh, they're so
0: evil to other kids. Well, thank God John is a new father or a recent father, I should say. Not too new at this point. <laughs>
1: Perfect but, segue. Uh,
0: good, good luck evil, to you, Kids are evil. I'm sir. a great dad. Thank you.
1: <laughs> thank you thank good
0: thank luck. You. If anyone could do it, it's you.
1: Well, thanks uh, to my, uh, my newborn uh, son, I'm able to be up at all hours of the night watching TCM at three in the morning. <laughs> so he helps me catch up on, on movies. So you really, you really argue in fatherhood here. You
0: might have got us. Some we're going right to rush right to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also that kids can be bullies and come up with catchy songs. So John, he's he's, he's trying to shield Pearl from this old Pearl. Uh, <laughs> do you guys want to get into John and Pearl
2: while we're here? I think the, the kid that plays John's awesome. John like, rules. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Did John he not has, look
1: I, like a young Ryan Gosling? Because that's what I got. I, I got Ryan Gosling on the Disney yeah. on uh, the Mickey Mouse Club in the nineties. Like that's who he looked like.
0: He definitely yeah. has that kind of like Disney, even like young Kurt Russell, just that yeah. look, you know, that boyish look, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, no, he's great. He made you proud as a fellow John when you hear that name.
1: He he truly he truly did. Little Lil Ryan Gosling, little Gosling Gosling. He's up there, <laughs> kind of with a uh, like Scout from Kill a Mockingbird, which oh, this nice. has some obvious, you know, homages to. But no yeah, ham, I would though. say. <laughs> no no uh dill yeah there's no dill in this one sadly they don't have a a third party to help them on their journey
0: that's the sequel what
1: about pearl, pearl. pearl. yeah pearl
0: I, I always try to get it and when she goes my name's Pearl, or whatever like the way she says it oh, yeah
1: Pearl.
2: you're just fooling my name's Pearl.
1: <laughs> she's so adorable Apparently has an excellent singing voice that we'll get to later, which I'm sure was not her. But it anyway.
0: was 100% not her. Apparently the director did not get along with her. Interesting. Oh. Yes, he liked John, but not so much Pearl. But I mean, also John, I got a fun fact I could throw in here. One time Robert Mitchum tried explaining to Billy Chapin, who played John Harpin, that he needed to better understand his character and his relationship to the preacher. And Chapin had a, he's a little bratty. Because he was a young kid and he's cocky, and he was like, he said, "quote That's probably why I just won the New York Critics Circle Prize." Charles Lawton then bellowed and said, "Get that child away from me!" And then from then on, Mitchum he would direct John Harper scenes. He would
2: handle the kids himself. <laughs> and it's what's funny is like, I, <laughs> I'm t- I'm totally picturing Charles Lawton saying that, like, oh like, yeah, like I'm totally picturing like the way he the way he talks and. Then, like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there you go there's some fun facts about john and pearl to keep in mind but at the end of the day they do such a fun job kids can be so annoying in these things but yeah. they ca- they carry this film and they do a great job specifically john he deserved that new york's uh critics award <laughs> so good for him you tell him you tell mitchum and Lawton who's boss and how it's done around here so we bow to you john so yeah he takes pearl away from the bullying and he's checking out a watch at the watch store. Kid likes watches. Maybe he'll get one someday. And they head to the old ice cream parlor, Spoons. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's run by the Steptoes. You got uh, Uncle Birdie Steptoe. And um, then you have Icy Spoon as well.
2: Yeah, I love how her name's Icy. Icy Spoon. Oh, I'm sorry. I gave the wrong credit. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought his yeah. last name was Spoon walt spoon forget yeah because they say it at the end and, and i and like i always yeah. forgot that like i thought it was just a clever name for the the shop but no that's actually his no they are name.
0: actually spoons yes, yes. sorry not, not just a clever nickname got yes. my credits mixed up but yes no, they're... we'll meet uncle
1: birdie in a, in a minute
0: yeah <laughs> icy spoon uh, she is an icy spoon that voice will just cut you down it'll like touch your spine it is so terrifying she fits in so many words in like a breath it's insane
1: she's a lot like um uh miss gulch aka the wicked witch of the west absolutely i
0: was gonna say that yeah that is a great great comparison
1: margaret hamilton
0: yes i love her and at this point too well they're talking about shelly winter she needs you know she's got to move on she's got to get a new husband this guy that she was with that just got hung you know he's a criminal and they also cut to like a train like back and forth to the train. I, I, that's like where it's just like Mitchum's coming. And it's just that, that's such a great editing trick. I really wanted to give a particular shout out to that.
1: Could we also add the obvious sexual metaphors in the train chugging yes. along while she's thinking of a man. And then of course there's many in this movie. Oh yeah. We sort of touched on the, uh, the switchblade going through his pocket in the uh, burlesque show. Yeah. his angry about women, and what they look like his, his sexual frustrations too. So I just can't believe some of these things that got through in 1955 were uh, pretty striking.
0: It's a very mature movie. There's some mature themes. I mean, especially when after they get married, we'll get to it. But that, that oh, yeah. whole conversation is wild. Poor Shelley Winter. She is just not getting it anytime soon, that's for sure. But yeah, Reverend Powell, he's on the way. He's free. He's done his 30 days. And he's, he's coming to cash out meanwhile john he's telling pearl a story about a king he likes kings and queens uh, as we find out kings queens and watches so
1: real easy to shop for <laughs> um, a simple man little johnny harper
2: yeah little johnny harper doing his thing doesn't, uh, doesn't want ice cream at all but he, he no. wants he wants to watch he does want he's to He's wise watch.
1: beyond his years. He, wants, he, yes,
2: he, he is. Well,
0: I mean, he's been forced to grow up. One note I made while watching this that really struck out to me is adults are depressing and disappointing. I mean, I feel like everyone lets him down until the very, very end. Yes. Every example he's given, even Uncle Birdie, when you see him and he's just like, you know, he's got to uh, add a little, uh, little, little, what was it, spice or something to his, his excuse coffee? Excuse me while
1: I sweeten my coffee. Sweeten, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, he says... Every, uh, what does he say? A man like me needs a snort in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> like, that or a, a so t- like a snort.
0: His best adult figure is like this drunk man by that lives in a shack by the sea. You know, like yeah. that's not good. But here's some more positivity on the way. You get to see Reverend Powell's silhouette. I mean, there's so many times where you just see him all shadow, and it's it's a testament to Mitchum and his like shape and aura that he's able to instantly be identified with so little. Um, and so he's coming in and he's singing. He starts off his famous song, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Probably one of the most scary songs in existence. especially. Another his... hit
1: single from this movie, yeah.
3: Leaning, leaning, leaning on the
0: everlasting arms. Maybe he did a remake of that on his Calypso album.
1: <laughs> do you own that? Dan, if there is a sound soundtrack for this out on vinyl somewhere, even if it's a repress something, I I want it. So tell me,
2: <laughs> all right, tell I me will, now. I will let you know. I will I will report back. Check the discogs, Dan. I'm on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in the meantime, enjoy
0: a, probably a clip we just cut to of him singing. It was wonderful. Uh, this thing's gonna stick in your head all throughout the next couple of weeks. I would say.
2: So I will say that the first that thing I fast. found. That was fast. Wow. Oh, I'm I'm fast. That was not um, the
0: power of editing on this one, folks.
2: So so here's the deal. So I did find there is it's it's listed under Charles Lawton and Walter shulman It's The Night of the Hunter, it's spoken word. So it's literally I think Ooh. them just reciting the film. Like it's probably just like they're just you like know, almost like a radio show.
0: You're starting to jog my memory. I feel like they actually did release a score back in the day. Um
2: But well, yeah. Lawton was famous for going on
1: to like Ed Sullivan and doing just readings like of the um, bible of whatever so yeah. him reading anything particularly this movie would be, this is what know. it is
0: so rca victor was impressed by the score in 55 they released a soundtrack with Schumann's score and law and narrating an abridged version of the story
2: yes so it probably includes it like the the incidental music kind of stuff in between you know what i mean like it probably yeah. has it yeah. inter- intertwined in it
1: Noah uh V-Varice saraband uh, exactly
2: that's what Anywhere? I was looking for, but now, but they there is a, a version that came out in fifty five. It's three seven inches, um, wow. instead instead of a twelve inch, which they also did make. What's, so. the,
0: what, what's the cheapest one? How what, how much is that going for?
2: So the LP the original LP goes for about sixty dollars. Um, That's fair. So and let's check out the the seven inch version. That's the U S version. It's a Canadian version. So there's nothing selling right now on Discogs for the the U S press. You got a last sold. The last sold. We all know our
0: discogs over here.
2: Yes, the the last sold was actually uh, for the seven inches. It was fifty dollars. Okay, also fair. And it was last sold in March of this year, actually, so not that long ago. Um, Put it in your
0: want list. And the twelve inch,
2: we it was the last sold. The lowest was seven dollars. The medium was thirty-seven fifty, and the highest was sixty-eight. 81 the last soul was may of this year so hmm. it definitely and there is a cd version that's both from germany and a reissue in spain in 1999 is most recently Ooh. and that's only nine, say, if, those seven inches, so.
1: if the seven inches were too expensive i said we could each go in yeah me and the lads and we, we each own one and together we put them together
0: should i try to reissue it on cassette right, should i should i pursue the license
2: yes please uh, right yeah i think that's... are we
0: are we breaking that on this show i hope i'll try
2: to get an update I think that's the niche that we need to do it's it's reissuing film noir soundtracks and scores are are,
0: uh, are the lads lads starting a sub label of sludge people
2: yeah
1: I, I uh, really hope you guys aren't kidding because I mean
0: no no i'll I'll absolutely look into this just getting into this existence of course you have I'll your first excited. subscriber
2: right here so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> we've been we've been looking for something like this, so I think it the fact yes. that it came organically I think just makes the best sense
0: well done, that's a three way handshake right there folks. <laughs> After the song, we, we meet Uncle Birdie. He's been working on Ben Harper's old river skiff. Hopefully that'll be ready in time if there's ever a need for it. Yep. But John heads back to Spoons. That's the hot spot in this town. And Reverend Powell's already there. And he's telling Icy and Willa and Pearl, that's everyone who's there, that uh, he administered with Ben Harper and before he died and probably did the last rites for him or, or whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden they are like, oh, you, you see the old tattoos on my fingers because I'm out in daylight at an ice cream store. Of course you do. You got old left hand with hate. You got right hand with love. And they're in constant struggle with one another since the fall of man with love winning overall.
1: Long
0: uh, time. Yeah, that, that's too Let's Boy, we, we got to end that struggle, huh?
2: If <laughs> only wanna, we all one hand. I also want to point out, I mean, I'm sure – Giant is this too, and I, I don't know. I don't know if you've seen, maybe you've seen this, Joey, but uh, do the right thing. The homage to that, with of course, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I always basically think of that because I think I might have, yeah, yeah. I might have actually probably seen that first before I've seen. I think I saw Do the Right Thing before I saw Night of the Hunter. So,
1: boy, I, that I, might be true too. Yeah, That's maybe wild. even for me too. Like I said, I saw Night of the Hunter like scenes as a little kid, and then I saw it again right after. College. I probably saw Do the Right Thing in high school. Yeah. So yeah, I probably saw do the right thing first. Yeah. I
0: definitely saw it after being obsessed with Martin as a kid because he had the do the right thing poster. They would even like point it out, and I'm like, okay.
2: in every scene in his. If yeah. it's yeah.
0: good enough for him, I gotta check this thing out.
2: Well, he was also in the movie, so. That- <laughs> well, yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that, that helps. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and wasn't uh, Gina was too right? Or she's in at least a Spike Lee movie. movie.
2: No, she's not in Do the Right Thing. I don't. Think. Okay. Not that I recall. No. Okay there's a there's a
0: universe where both spike lee and martin lawrence exists
2: yes that tv show yeah
0: a lot of crossovers (laughs) so yeah he's he's really killing it with this story icy loves it and she's saying you got to come to our picnic we got a we got a town picnic no houses are on fire in in the town so we're all getting together and john he's he instantly is just like i don't like this guy he's just coming in after this what the hell
1: mom that's not cool
2: and the but, whole thing is that we, we need to bring them together. She's a widow. She, she has to marry right now. It, like, oh, yeah. yeah, she, quote, has to. Thanks, yeah. Icy. This yeah. is all yeah. Icy's fault.
0: Yeah, yeah, Icy's from, like, the 19th century. Like, come on now.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, know, I mean, Willa that's... could have had a good life as a mother. I might have just spoiled something right there. We'll get to that. But she could yeah. have had a long life and caring for her kids and working at the ice cream store. They'd get free ice cream for life. You know, it's okay but you know it was it's certainly 19... not like she's
0: gonna get laid 30. if she gets married here you know so it's like what's what is the point what are you doing here um but hey we're at a picnic everyone's having a good time and icy she's really trying to get willa and mitchum together but he's like i don't want anything it's about the money they, they go off and talk he's like you know hey ben told me that the money's at the bottom of a river so just get that out of your head i'm just a preacher who's passing through and I think that we can make this happen but John knows that this is a lie that it's not at the bottom of the river and this guy you got you can't trust him so John walks home after visiting Uncle Birdie, and I actually do have a Birdie fact he was actually cast and filmed as someone else Emmett Lynn was originally Birdie Steptoe filmed all his scenes and then Lawton replaced him with James Gleason and they mm. reshot all the scenes James Gleason is great yeah, yeah. He, he does a great he's, job.
1: He sings. He's another one who sings in the movie, too. At some Everyone moment. has a
0: great voice. You almost wonder if that's the audition process. It's just like, <laughs> come on in and do a song. Maybe I like you. But the skiff, it's not ready yet, but he walks past the ice cream parlor. He sees his mom and Icy, and they look pretty psyched about something. And when he gets home, Reverend Powell's there to just cramp him and, and gang up on him and say, hey. I'm gonna be your new dad from now on, and you better tell me where this money is. <laughs> and Pearl's like, "Okay, cool, new dad. I was looking for someone too, so I'm going all in on you. You're you're my new dad. And why don't we tell you?" But oh, Pearl, John keeps those lips shut for now. Hopefully, we can pull it off. So, hey, you're getting married. What are you gonna do? You gotta celebrate with the honeymoon. So now we cut to the honeymoon. We've been talking about this a little bit. Shelly Winter is another great job she does here because she's just feeling good about herself, you know, just got married, she's looking in the mirror. <laughs> and when she pulls out the she looks in his pocket, pulls out yes. the switchblade and just goes, man. Men, men is just <laughs> <laughs> fucking great. <laughs> oh men. With the switchblade, though, too, I, 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 it happened already. But there's that one scene in the beginning where it shows Mitchum praying with the switchblade, like mm-hmm. it's all shadows. That's a
1: great shot. Uh, we won't, we won't worry about how, how did he get and keep a switchblade in his
2: pocket in jail? <laughs> yeah, yes. uh, they didn't talk about it, but they didn't really bring it up. I don't know how he. You know what? Yeah. Well, I was, they did I was, actually.
0: The Harper, Ben Harper, you go, doesn't he go like, isn't that why you have something stashed away in your bed? Like, I think he just has good connections. Like it might not be the same switchblade.
1: Might just be a good, yeah. There you go. One line of dialogue, fixed it.
0: Or he's like, hey, it's a comb, you know? So what yeah. are you going to do?
2: <laughs> it's it, it still like, it, it kind of blows my mind still that I, I, it's like one of the things that I find most fantastic about this movie is like, I don't see like, how can you get married to someone that fast? Like, I, I get it for that, but I'm just, I think like, just the the fact that they got together so fast, and they're like, "Oh, we're instantly getting married." Like, how, I mean, I get it. Like, he's, pr- he's trying to pressure her to get the money, but like, it just seems so quick. Like, they literally just met.
0: I think it doesn't help that you know she's grieving. It was already right. a, a, a rough situation with that husband. It didn't seem like they had a great marriage at all. And then also you got icy in your ear too, yes. really pushing things. And then you got the kids. You know you're trying to look out for your kids. She's not feeling as good about a mother. But all that said, yes, that's a very very quick death. Yes. I do agree.
2: Well, and, uh, and yeah, M- and Mitchum definitely. I mean, he's a pro at, at you know preying on these widows. Yo, Mitchum's so, coming yeah. along.
0: I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna marry him in two seconds. What are you that's talking true. about? That's true. talking Mitchum here. We're talking Mitchum. Well,
2: and to point out, like, something that I guess I didn't really think about as much in the other times I've seen this is that, you know, they do kind of subtly portray him as this, like, I mean, he, obviously, he's like, he is a handsome guy. But they really play that up, especially later on when you see, like, he does grab women's attention. So I, I think oh, yeah. there is that element of, like, you know. Even Icy. I
1: mean, Icy. Right.
2: Icy, so, like, yeah. Like, yeah, they all kind of find them. him this as, like handsome suave guy so i guess yeah that definitely i mean other than the red flags that he literally has knuckle tattoos and a switchblade well that's know, why it's working he was so in well. because like, he's
0: like oh these old things and he's just like and she's just like yeah that makes
1: yeah. sense you know or whatever and, and also, also like we'll we'll talk about like he brings up i think was is it willa or or i see that I actually asked what type of religion he preaches and he says it's one that me and the lord came up with ourselves it works yes. for both of yeah. us so even that is just betwixt sort
0: of, the two of them. He says I mean, betwixt, betwixt early on. Betwixt should always be used. We need we oh. all need to up our game saying betwixt. I'll do well, it. Betwixt I mean, the three of us, I think we could do it.
2: And I think that's like an underlying another underlying thing that I think about a lot with this movie is that, you know, it's it's it is like religion obviously plays such a huge role and it pushes all these characters into certain Positions, you know, whether it's you know the the preacher using that as a as a vehicle to try to basically like worm his way in and kill people and get money and so forth. But you know, ice uses it as, as a device as far as you know. Hey, like you should be doing this. You should be getting married, and, and you should be doing all this because like this is what we should be doing. But also, like later on, as we'll get to as well, is that you know, there's the times where the preacher will be kind of saying stuff and using the the idea of preaching and stuff like that towards icy and some other people is like oh yeah well you know the lord says i should do it. he's like oh yeah you know whatever you're saying yeah like that, that's how it should yeah. be oh he you
0: totally know, like, knows what yeah, like what right. words and passages to use just to get people to be like oh yeah sure that sounds right
2: yeah exactly
0: now he's a problem he uh he should be a preacher
2: so yeah, but oh, I was sorry, just gonna yeah. say, one one final thing in, in in the current scene is that i i'll say my some of my favorite shots maybe like maybe my favorite shot is when they're in that that bedroom attic. Bedroom. I think we're at that oh. part, right? Where, yeah, where it's oh, like, yeah, yeah. it's that very, at very like, German we just pulled expressionist... out the switch
0: blade and said, Man. yeah,
3: yeah,
2: yeah. yeah it's, it's very, very, you know, expressionistic and, and in style. I mean, it could be straight up out of Dr. Caligari, Caligari, you know, like, it's, right? it, it, and I love it. It's great. And the way he gestures at the window and just everything. It's, it's amazing. I love it. I mean,
1: he, they're in a, they're in a, a steeple, right? They're in a, uh, they're at the altar, the way that it's filmed with that. Like there's yes. no house that has, that high of a ceiling in the bedroom i mean yes sure maybe a loft of some kind i would say it's like an attic bed. or a obviously, loft obviously yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah all that's in the air we're feeling good about it and so she comes out and she's like all right let's let's get to it and powell he's already like in bed looking the other way and he's just like look at yourself come on now you this isn't gonna work that's a sin you know i'm a man of god and things are in the dark and he turns on the bulb and uh then i'll it basically just like makes, it makes her feel bad for even having sexual thoughts to begin with. And so she looks in the mirror herself and just says, help me to get clean.
1: It's uh well, we also know he's really sexually repressed as well. Yes. Yeah. From the burlesque scene. I mean, anytime. And we'll see a little bit later too, with, um, with, with uh, one of uh, Lillian Gish's charges that he's definitely sexually repressed in some way.
0: It's interesting in though, because way. like, He's this this criminal and scam artist and stuff, but like he definitely believes like the the preacherness, the reverend of it all. Like you know he it, in his own twisted way, like he he's doing the Lord's work. You know he's having a conversation. Yeah.
2: I also forgot to mention earlier, speaking of the burlesque, real quick, is that it has the most. That scene has the most like stereotypical like.
3: I, I, I love it. Like,
2: that always gets me like like because it is it is so perfect of like it's like what everybody when they're spoofing that or talking about that or, or whatever whatever context it's in like it was,
1: it was almost stock footage of yes. the burlesque
2: dancer and yeah
1: and how about all the really quickly all the guys in that audience do not look happy to be no, there no. it's not right a good show for anyone at all once again sexual repression of the 1930s what can we say yeah depression
0: i mean that was one thing that the novel i'll get into it a little later but like the novel really has to do with like depression era and, and all of that and so it definitely paints the picture under the surface so the skiff has been repaired we got uncle birdie and john they're fishing and he's saying hey man you're ever in trouble you can come to me for help
3: <laughs>
0: which yeah all right uh...
2: it doesn't work out too well
0: no it's not You should not believe this, man. That's so sad. Too much
2: sweetener in his coffee. That's
0: that's (laughs) what happens. Yeah, and if you want to go for some good sweetener, you should take that and then go to this tent where there's a revival meeting with Willa and the Reverend Powell, and there's torches, and uh, she's going on about how she has sinned, and everything is great. It's spooky and and so interesting.
3: Amen! Amen. You have all sinned. Yes. Yes. Yes! Which one of you can say as I can say, that you drove a good man to murder
2: because I kept a hound in him for perfume and clothes and face paint. And he slew two human
3: beings. And he come to me and he said, take this money and buy yourself the clothes and the paint. But brethren, brethren, Oh, that's where the Lord stepped in. That's where the Lord stepped in. Yes. 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 Yes.
2: yes. He said, "The Lord to that man, you take that money and you throw it in the river." In the river. In the river. In the river.
1: You know um, that scene. I, I wonder if if we had more movie here if, you know if this was a modern movie, it would just be a two and a half hour long drama. And we would have had more scenes of of Preacher Powell, you know, persuading and influencing the townspeople as this scene shows, not just Willa, but like he'd be doing it to every single one, just like he did for The Spoons or at least Icy. You know, I, I would have loved to have seen more scenes of him, you know, just preaching to the town and converting the whole town to his... Yeah. Betwixt religion, <laughs> but, but it's a very quick scene. I actually thought there would be many more after that, but no, it, it, this is really the only scene we see of that. That's it. You got to paint that. I mean, you're, you're
0: working with like almost like an imaginary timeline where it's like things are moving. In fact, you almost have to like assume that so much time has passed, but right. But also not, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're getting to business too,
2: but yeah, it would have been great to see more of that. I think Lawton was probably a, a Sergei Eisenstein student and was trying to go more montage than anything, <laughs> trying to maybe keep it. I mean, yeah, I mean it's an hour and a half long and I think they were probably keeping, you and know, back then, I mean, that's yeah, a long movie. Exactly. they are trying to keep yeah. it to, I guess, to a certain, certain level. And like yeah, like mean, you said,
1: there's still a second movie that we have to get to. The yeah, thing. I mean, we're,
2: yeah. we're, we're, we're just <laughs> wrapping up this first movie here. Yeah. Um, so
0: we're going to go ahead and get our paper dolls ready. Pearl, she's cutting it from the money. We finally see <sighs> that it was in her doll, Miss Jenny, the whole time. And, oh, and, Pearl. Oh, oh, Pearl. She's, uh, yeah, she just like ripped out all the money and stuff. John comes back and he's like, ah, oh. I think he even goes like, oh, Pearl. <laughs> they, he does, and then he runs back and he like stuffs all this money. This is like a lot of money too, like. And they don't really cut, so like the whole time he's just like stuffing it in, and then finally you see Mitchum start to come in the doorway. Their back is what tuned. a great shot! It's oh, so good, and you're just you're the right. Whole... They don't
1: cut. They're constantly shoving yeah. dollar bills yeah. or more or higher bills into the doll, and then you just see oh that silhouette of impending doom. Like yeah, and he just starts I, to walk. D.
0: Walk closer, oh, and, and so you just you totally think he's gonna find something. Even that when they uh they get it all in there and they walk past him to go inside, like some of the money blows on the ground past him.
1: Yeah, it, it's yes. really cool. I thought they were leaves, but you're right. Yeah, I, I, the first time I noticed it was when I recently watched it. It's, there are a few other hundred dollar bills or whatever. They're just kind of floating. It that he doesn't even realize. Under something his new every
0: viewing, folks. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh. So yeah, he does not notice this is happening and willis she's starting to suspect that powell he might actually still think that this money is a factor she realizes that he had been questioning john about it but powell's like come on don't do it and he even says to him like she believes me and not you so don't worry we still have our thing going on i'm gonna get that money um and then at one point he even like he's talking to pearl and pearl again is just like all in on mitchum you're my dad i'll tell you anything She's sitting on his lap, and he's just like, so where's the money, Pearl? And Willa hears this, and powell he's also getting like very frustrated and mad. He makes a cry. And Willa, so she's coming to terms with this, and she wants it to really work out. She put all of her life into this, and so she's like, everything's going to be fine. But it's absolutely not going to be fine. Powell has discovered, he definitely knows that Willa is on to him, and so he's like, you know what? It's time for me and my best friend, the switchblade, to handle this situation. And he slits her throat. It's brutal. (laughs) And uh, so it's nighttime. John gets awoken by just crazy sounds. It turns out to be an engine. But back then, you you don't know what kind of monster that is. Uh, And it turned out, yeah, it was a car engine because we find out that Willa had, quote, run away, but she did not run away. She, (laughs) She and the car are at the bottom of the river. Wow, great stuff.
1: Yeah. And and that scene where with the uh where he does kill Willa, we don't actually see it, but just him he, he raises that knife so high in the air <laughs> yeah. to illustrate what is about to happen. But again, it's almost like it's framed in that altar view. Anytime they cut to that bedroom view of her on the bed and him over top of her in multiple scenes now, it's like he's almost like sacrificing her on the altar of his Ooh, the yeah, Lord good. and me betwixt religion. It's really <laughs> yeah. probably one of the most frightening shots in, in the film. Oh yeah. I would agree with that, and then you, yeah, you get the the surreal shot
0: of just her in the water, her body, oh. which is not her; it is a
1: dummy. But I mean, they did a great job as far as I, I honestly thought that. I mean, when for, you realize how long they they hold on her, yeah, like, there's no way you would, and you would see bubbles probably coming right. from her mouth, Shelley Winters. But that, I mean, that shot alone is is it's probably mm-hmm. one of the most famous shots. And I don't know, Dan, if you're a fan of, um, you both are probably fans of. Dementia 13, the so original Coppola movie.
2: I've never seen it. I, I know about it. I've never yeah, seen it.
1: There is a an under, a very famous underwater scene where like the lead girl character of that movie is dives into a, a lake to try and retrieve something in the bottom of the lake. And there's like a, a well-preserved corpse just kind of quietly, calmly floating there with like the hair moving. And I was just reading because it just came out. Was a Vestron just put out their like, you know, Blu-ray special edition which is weird because you can get Dementia 13 for like $2 in like the DVD <laughs> bin at Walmart and you ha- could have it's public domain. Oh, um, okay. yeah, it's, it's a Roger Corman, but it's one of those ones where they forgot the copyright or whatever. So this one has like a Coppola intro recorded. I haven't gotten it yet, but I saw a review where they said Coppola said this was his homage to that scene. This particular scene of Dead Shelley Winters floating calmly in the at the bottom of the lake it's an
0: incredible scene i mean i would yeah. if, if i was a director i would be referencing that scene constantly it, it sticks with you credit for that scene it actually was not done by cinematographer stanley cortez or a member of the camera crew It was the film's art director hilliard m brown who did that pivotal yeah. scene so shout out to them it's the one i i remember that scene it's most of all it's incredible you can
1: see his storyboards i know there's some on the criterion special features and there's some out there of hillier brown storyboards that are just like they're up there with like the ralph Macquarie, like they're just like works of art and especially that one you can see it's his is obviously more frightening a little more detailed they should definitely make like a book
0: of of the storyboards yeah. because i mean it especially it seemed like at the time like it wasn't as much of a thing and it was pretty revolutionary in that sense yeah so birdie is the one who discovers the remains he's out on his boat he's fishing and boy does he catch himself one you see that hook Ooh. just slowly making it into the car it's so good and they're like oh Poor Uncle Bertie. He's immediately like, they're going to think I did it. This yeah. is not good. Even though it's like, Bert, go to the cops. You're going to be all yeah. right. Like there's, like there's a total precedence here that, to make you okay. That's, but.
1: that's the sweetener talking. <laughs>
0: yeah. unfortunately.
2: And then he uh, takes a little too much sweetener. <laughs> so
1: much sweetener.
0: Speaking of sweetener, let's get back to Mitchum. He's calling for the children, and he's, he's all in in the house. He has moved in. Pearl and John, they're hiding in the cellar. You're going to get to know this wonderful cellar he's he comes down there you get that wonderful shadowy shot of him coming down the stairs and it's not looking good for our those kids but old icy arrives she's got dinner for the whole team and so she gets everyone she's like come on back upstairs guys and she leaves and pal's like well you obviously you're not going to eat you're going to need to tell me what i need to owe so uh yeah i'm going to eat in front of you
1: and that's always a big time Boy, another really cool uh, the, the, like I said before the shots in the basement it's almost like they're like descending into hell and then when he's they're running up and he's chasing him it's was like the devil coming up I mean he yeah. is a demon he's a flat out
0: he's <laughs> yeah. a flat out demon guy He's a demon. He really. Is. <laughs> yeah he he is especially terrifying in this all the cellar scenes are are some of the big ones So eventually we get uh Powell he threatens Pearl with a knife and john he's like okay money it's hidden under a stone in the basement he thinks that he's just gonna go down by himself this this was not good planning on john's part i gotta say but he's like yeah come with me light a candle you're gonna show me exactly where it is so he comes down he's like this floor is made of concrete even though you kids got super dirty and it looks like a dirty cellar but not so much grabs john by the hair and he's like i'm gonna Cut you open like a pig, split you open. So Pearl's like,
3: It's not my it's inside my doll.
0: And it's like, oh man, come on, Pearl. And so John, he while this he sees this distraction going on, he pulls a shelf of preserves onto Powell. It all comes crashing down on him. They come running out and he's running up the stairs, struggling as best he can. He's tripping around. A lot of hijinks. These darn kids, huh? They look like they might get away with it. So yeah, they're running. They try to get to old Uncle Birdie, and he's too drunk. He's (laughs) He's Oh, Birdie. Oh, Birdie. Poor Birdie. So they're like, you know what? We just got to take this boat, you and me, Pearl. We're going to hit the water. Reverend Powell starts to come after him, but unfortunately, he's just unable to catch him. He's really getting in the water, too. And because they filmed that on the soundstage, he had to like do that on his knees, which is interesting, but does a great job. I mean, I, I love that they filmed so much of it on the soundstage because it helps with that otherworldly look, you know?
2: Oh, yeah. All the all the set pieces that you see when they're now that they're going down the river are just awesome like the different place to come with the starry night time and everything like that. It's some of my other favorite shots.
0: What's that, Dan? So, Are you confirming this is an episode of the fog cast? There's so much Dan <laughs> fog in this movie. So much fog. He's going to love it. I mean, what else do you need, Dan? More fog. Come on.
2: Right. If I wasn't sold <laughs> by anything else, it would be that. Yes.
0: Hashtag fog on this episode. Yes. guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's the, the river stuff. It's almost like, like out of Disney animation. Yeah. Yeah. With all the little creatures, like kind of towering, even like the tiniest creatures are towering over them, like the turtles and the and the frogs and the, and the rabbits.
0: Amazing nature shots—you get the spider yeah. web, all of that as they're just going down the river—is oh, yeah. is so good. But Powell, he goes ahead and steals himself a horse, <laughs> Mitchum on a horse again. Don't worry, folks, and he's just really you know and he's all in black and he's got he's on a white horse so it's a really good balance between the two and the kids they're just going down the river as soon as they see a house they're just let's go in let's see if we can get some food they find this one place that gives them two potatoes two raw potatoes and nothing more and nothing yep. more <laughs> That's all you get. kids they said get out of here i don't want to feel bad about you anymore well she was
1: get... already, this lady was already feeding like other kids right so
0: Oh, speaking of Halloween, it was like trick-or-treat, but during the day, not uh, in October, and they're getting potatoes. Potatoes, so, yeah. Yeah, potato Ween, everybody. Meanwhile, as we're going and keeping this hunt on, we're going to get plenty more of that wonderful song we love about leaning on the everlasting arm. That is most terrifying, I would say, as he's just clopping around on this horse in the shadows, just uh, hunting these poor, poor children who are just so tired at one point they sleep in a, uh, like a barn and Pearl gets a little bit of rest, but then that's where you see him. And that's where he's just like, Don't
3: oh. never sleep.
0: I mean, he's the original T-1000. He's like relentless. <laughs>
2: and that's maybe and that's one other... of those
1: other shots too. Yeah.
2: So yeah. I was yeah. Gonna say, That's like one of my other favorite oh. shots is when they're going down this, the stairs to get away. And then you see that, that open panel. Uh, and then you see through the night, in, in in a distance, in the distance. He's on the horse. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah. That so we could
1: definitely thank Stanley Cortez for that cuz that's like you see him on the horse at the top of the shot and then it's just all black. Like Do you guys know land. that it wasn't
0: him? Am I revealing this back to you? Oh. They had they had a little person on a horse yes. to do uh not Robert Mitchum. perspective, yeah. Wow. In that one scene I mean, of course there's other times it's Mitchum,
1: but But it's Robert Mitchum's beautiful voice though singing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Hit single. I
0: yeah. mean, that should have been the 45, right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> instrumental is, is The from... B side, the, re- the, the, <laughs> yeah. the the dub remix version. Well, no,
0: what you do is you do the duet with uh, Lily and Gesha. The
2: later on, yeah, yeah, end, we'll yeah that's your that. B
0: side. That's true. We will get Waxworks
1: Records puts this out. That's the pre-order. <laughs> you get the limited edition seven-inch on um, black and white vinyl of just the song, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'll, I'll that we release. release.
2: Yeah, that yeah. we release. Yeah,
0: bonus single. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we head back to the boat and we finally they get caught as they're sleeping by old rachel cooper speaking of lillian gish here she is once again and uh, she's she's hitting him with a switch instantly <laughs> she is
1: she's a badass we're going coming to in find hot. out just how badass she is but man she, is, she rules star yeah. of the silent screen is just a badass now
0: uh, she she had just taken in so many of the abandoned children from the Depression. She had her son that just doesn't even talk to her anymore. So she's a little lonely, but she's, you know, she's a stern woman. She gets it done. So, yeah, you get to meet the crew. You got the oldest member of the crew. That's Ruby. And uh, old Ruby, she's going through her rebellious streak. She's not going to those sewing lessons, that's for sure. So, yeah, she she has some gentlemen callers. In fact, here's here's a fun fact for you. Speaking of the uh, Harper clan, his brother is in this movie actually uh, as one of those suitors. One of those two guys on the wall. Yeah, is is, uh, actually Billy Chapin's older brother. Hmm. But they got nothing on Mitchum who's going to come in and say, hey, Ruby, why don't you tell me where I can find these children and everything I need to know? And all I got to do is say you're beautiful and you'll do anything I want because perhaps you pay you compliments. Ice cream in a magazine. Ice cream
1: magazine.
2: She actually
0: would. She was not going to start this conversation without getting an ice cream out of him. But she said next time.
2: Next time
0: I won't even ask him to buy me an ice cream. Not too shabby. Mm -hmm. Uh, After that, then we get Powell. He's headed over to the ranch finally. And he's coming to grab Pearl and John. Pearl is excited to see him, which is not good.
1: I, I guess actually
0: I should also say John had been getting a little closer with Rachel Cooper, Lillian Gish. He's yeah. finally starting to melt that icy demeanor of his, you know. Well, he's
1: had such short-lived parental figures in his life, sadly. Absolutely.
0: No, everyone has been quick and awful. <laughs> so finally you get someone who looks like a just an institution and she seems solid. That's good. And she also has great stories about kings and queens and stuff. Moses, he right likes all that. Yeah. yeah, he loves that stuff. So they're feeling a lot better he finally also says, like, hey, by the way, we're orphans. Like, we got nobody. But here comes Mitchum, and he's like, these kids are coming with me. Pearl's all in on it. She's hugging them. But John's like, hey, no, that's not the case. I've also got the doll because they were playing with it before. It was on the ground, but he was able to grab it. And then, he says, uh, you ain't my dad. He ain't my mm-hmm. dad, yeah. And then Rachel Cooper, she's like, no, nope, I didn't think so. And she's able to get him off. She gets them Mitchum trying to go under like the porch or whatever, like to to race after John. And she points a gun at him. She And at first he's like, I don't know what this is. But he comes out and sees it. Oh, it's a shotgun. He's going to go ahead and head off. Wait for the nighttime because the nighttime is the right time.
2: (laughs) And and you really, then he he just changes like on a dime. You see like he was trying to be that charismatic, you know, nice guy. And then instantly once the gun comes out, he starts backing away. Then he starts spitting out all these, you know, damnation and hellfire kind of speech. Yeah, if you're going to be like Uh that.
3: The Lord God Jehovah will guide my hand in vengeance. You devils, you whores of Babylon. I'll be back when it's dark.
0: So here, here's where you get the B side of our, our single. (laughs) <laughs> because <laughs> Powell he heads up and he starts his le- he leading song, but Cooper's like you know hey I know some words myself, so she joins in as she's just rocking about in her chair holding the shotgun. It's just it's a great scene.
1: Yeah, it's a beautiful song. It's up there with like Islands of the Stream. You know this is <laughs> yeah. this is the duet of duets. This You've is your karaoke. Old duet. Hollywood, New Hollywood. That's right. Uh, Gish Mitchum. <laughs> this is it right here. <laughs> this is Peebo Bryson and Celine Dion. This is it. Wow! <laughs> the original and collaboration, the
0: greatest collab, the collaboration. Yeah. 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 So they're in the dark, and then of course Ruby comes down. She's got a candle, and like, turn out that light. And they blow out the candle, and then Mitchum he's disappeared. You can't see him anymore. He's inside the house, and he's coming to get him. That's or great awesome.
1: lighting work too. Like that was great. You could just see them in do in the silhouette, and then yeah, the the silhouette of the screen, I guess, oh, for yeah. like, on the porch yeah. goes away. And then it comes back, and he's gone. I mean, that's that was another great shot, master.
0: So he's inside, but unfortunately, there is a cat there, and it does scare him as they often do. (laughs) And during that scare, Cooper gets in a shot, and then he just starts yelping. It's (laughs) so good, and he just runs off into the barn. And
1: there, like Daffy Duck, yeah, another. He's been a looney tune this whole movie. And it's almost like Daffy and Elmer Fudd with with the, or bu- bugs. I mean, he's just hollering, and he's got some someone with a shotgun pointed at him.
3: Yeah, it's great.
0: And so yeah, he gets cornered off into the barn. We wait for the sun to come up. The cops come in. They arrest him. They bring him out of the barn. And the police, are just like, hey, you know what? We're we're cops, so we're gonna beat this guy up. We can't help him. Yeah, and so they're beating him up. And John instantly, he's remembering of when he saw his father get beaten and. He doesn't like it so he, he again feels sick to his stomach and he says don't
2: i mean and it really uh, is the mirror i mean the way that they're fanned oh, out yeah. around him too i mean it's, it's almost an identical shot in a way i mean except for one thing
1: when uh mitchum does get a chance to get one more hail mary to his lord above mm-hmm. with his uh his prayer knife he's like stretching it to the heavens yes and was he gonna do something was he gonna stab himself was he gonna stab one of the cops or was he just
2: Doing, doing a final off. prayer. Yeah, <laughs> I, Well, I think it's that, but that's also, again, it's also a mirror of the beginning one because you remember Peter Graves, he also holds the gun up in the air. Oh, and yes. and cause they keep telling him to take it down, but he holds it up in the air, giving up. And then eventually the one guy grabs it and knocks yeah. it out. So I think that was the mirror of that as well. That's but right. this
0: time he's like, you know what? Here's the money, beats him with the doll. All the money comes out of it. Or take it. Just take it. Yeah it wasn't even worth any of this which you know what hey buddy maybe if you just threw that thing while you hit the river we could have avoided a lot of heartbreak but you know who so. could
1: have really use that money johnny harper uh your new mom rachel cooper and yeah. all the kids she has to take care of exactly. But you knew nobody was gonna get that money i mean that's just the way these fairy tale noirs and fables go right that's blood money you yeah. can't profit off that like that's, i mean that's
2: it
0: pearl was just gonna make dolls out of all of them anyway so yeah. you know it had a shelf life for
2: sure well, then again, how does did, how did she pay for all the gifts coming up at Christmas time? That's what I'm saying.
1: I, there's got to be some bills hidden. Yeah, they were floating around underneath the house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. They actually don't mention who gets the money. I mean, right. we'll get to exactly. the wrap up here, which I have some comments about. But yeah, no, they don't mention who gets that money. Right. Icy gets
0: it. Icy, <laughs> Icy finds a no way. Away. She's got to pay for that lynch mob that she gets to go well, after she... <laughs> yeah. Reverend Powell. Yeah. She's she's pretty mad about being hoodwinked. It's a literal lynch mob. They got the torches. This is how you know trouble's coming. And they're in court. And John, he just he doesn't he won't budge. He won't snitch. He's just he, he just feels awful. He doesn't like any of it. He's afraid. I feel like he's done
1: with it. Yeah, he's just done with the whole thing. He's yeah checked he's tapped out. out.
0: He doesn't know what time it is. But uh, he's also
1: a kid. He's a kid. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh yeah. You you forget that throughout the process. But yeah, no. This this poor little soul is a kid. Ruby, she still is a little into Powell, but not so much. She feels bad. She does repent to Mrs. Cooper at the end.
2: Well, I mean, it's Christmas time. It's it's the whole let let's go home. It's Christmas time.
0: Everything Instead is fine. Chris, yeah. Every everybody's got gifts except for gifts for <laughs> gifts. John. You know. Yes, exactly. And they totally Pearl totally sold John out. She could have said, "Hey, we're making presents for her. Why don't you collab on in this?" She's a bad sister. She went ahead and made a gift with someone else. John has nothing, so he has to like put together a gift from like an apple, a clothespin. pin.
2: Well, uh, they all made her potholders. They all made her the same thing. You, you, you know, is that like the, I did ever, not they, notice that. No, like, she keeps girls, saying like, yeah. "Oh, a potholder, and then they're going again, <laughs> "Oh, another pot holder." It just like goes on and on and on. But there is I mean, a callback because she she asked for an apple from John.
1: Yeah. In the scene yeah, where yes, she they, they, a they talk about the biblical, and she doesn't story. eat that <laughs> apple
0: either. Yeah. No, she doesn't as John goes to town on it but this time she's ready for an apple she loves it it's not a pot holder and uh, she's like hey by the way I got your watch it's a great watch I'm killing it yeah. um, Mrs. Cooper I, every time I say Mrs. Cooper I'm thinking of Batman 66 now but uh, oh. no it's it, it's it's a great ending there's also a couple times too when <laughs> Lillian Gish like turns the camera she breaks the fourth wall she's like talking straight to us including at the end that's just like hey everything's fine. You can go home. She
1: believes, uh, in essence, right, that the children are our future. Whoa. I mean, that's it, right? That's the moral. That's the moral, (laughs) yeah.
0: Lord save little children.
3: You'd think the world would be ashamed to name such a day as Christmas for one of them and then go on in the same old way. My soul is humble when I see the way little ones accept their
2: lot. Lord save little children. The wind blows and the rains are cold, yet they abide.
1: And Teach that's that. Well,
0: Teach the et children, etc.,
1: cetera, etc. Cetera, et cetera.
0: Like a true fairy tale, it has a moral at the end, and we did it, guys.
1: Can, can I say maybe you both feel this way, but as fans of Mitchum, first of all, but just also in the service of the plot, my my biggest issue with the movie, and it really it might be the only one, is that we don't really get a final Mitchum scene. No. We don't see him throughout the trial. He and we don't see him, he doesn't even get to be strung up by the mob. We don't see him actually get hung, which the hangman, who actually has a nice call back to the beginning, we didn't talk about, but yeah, he talks about oh, he it's has a pleasure a this, time. this time, yeah, it's a pleasure yeah. this time. It's rough always when it was uh Harper, you know, he's, uh, Harper the Dead,
0: Bart the Hangman. He's uncredited, but that's Paul Breyer. He, he deserves a little something
1: because he did a great job. Yeah. That was a great scene with him going back to his wife, and in the beginning they say this is a tough job, washing his hands of everything, looking at the children, wishing he wouldn't have to do this. But we don't. My big gripe is that we don't get a final scene of Mitchum. You don't get closure with Mitchum. Yeah. Yeah. The last time we see him, he's spirited away out the back door in a cop car because they, you know, they want they want to kill him proper, legally, not by (laughs) an angry mob with pitchforks, with literal pitchforks and torches. Yeah. So that was my big gripe that we didn't get a final Mitchum scene after he's arrested and then they almost have just killed
2: him you know
1: when he was right exactly
2: I think it's like a testament to like like we talked about you talked about earlier where it's like it's almost like a second movie and the tone changes so I I feel like it kind of like the the main characters kind of shift a little bit where it, it becomes way more centric to the kids I mean the kids are Pretty Yeah. To the entire thing, but it it tends to then go towards the positive and maybe that's the love hate thing. Maybe that's like, I was going to say, is it not the love and the hate? Yeah. Maybe that's the whole, the whole thing. So
0: the left hand is the more entertaining movie. I agree.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Let's be honest. (laughs) For sure. It ends on the piousness, the righteousness, which might be the right thing, but boy, is that hate way more entertaining. I gotta
0: love hate. Shout out to hate. (laughs) You guys ready for some fun facts? Yep. i love it all right so the novel the night of the hundreds from 1953 from davis grubb it was a national bestseller and finalist for the 1955 national book award and yeah just that goes more into the depression and uh it's very southern gothic much like your swamp thing i see behind you john you gotta, on, love, it. gotta so, love it
2: southern gothic of rem shirt that i'm wearing right now look at you <laughs> um, way to go up. everybody F- fables t-shirt so we're all we're all in today it's a good shirt, Dave. Thank you.
0: Charles Lawton, unfortunately, this is the only film that was directed by him. A lot of people say that it was because it was a, a bit of a failure at the time, but it really seems like he just wanted to go back to directing plays. He liked how much he could change in the moment and react to what you were seeing, which is a shame because he, he did a great job. But it's a shame that it took so long for people to realize
2: that. He left on a high note. You know? He totally did. I mean, <laughs> he
1: died. He died. Did he die soon after? Because apparently he was very shortly. after yeah. suffering yeah. from uh, back pains through the whole movie, and then you found out he had back cancer. I believe.
0: Yeah, know? he. Yeah, yeah, he had a slip disc. He went in for it, and they found that in his spine,
2: he had oh. they, they found cancer. He died in you know, '62, so it would have been seven years about after the movie came out that he died. Not
0: enough time. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of not enough time, let's get to old screenwriter James Agee. He was a film critic, a poet, a novelist, journalist. And in the 40s, he was one of the most influential film critics in the United States. And his autobiographical novel, A Death in the Family, from 1957, won him a posthumous 1958 Pulitzer. He also, in 47 and 48, wrote an untitled screenplay for Charlie Chaplin, in which the tramp survives a nuclear holocaust. What? That would have been amazing.
1: Please film that or find that. Chaplin it, had that film somewhere
0: <laughs> oh. it was posthumously titled the tramp's new world and the text was published in 2005 i mean even an animated short something wow. i gotta see that
1: yes please
0: that would have been amazing um, but unfortunately yeah he his career as a movie script writer just was affected by his alcoholism but he, he was credited for two of the most respected films of the 50s this one and the african queen from 1951.
1: yeah cool. If that's all you've you've written in Hollywood, I would call that an amazing career. I know, uh, seriously, not, I, not
2: too bad.
0: <laughs> I know back then it was like, "You got what are you doing next?" But now it's just like, "Good for you, you can coast off of that." Um, unfortunately, he his credit for this film. There was some skepticism if he had actually written the script, but they right. were actually able to
1: find his first draft, which was basically the entire film. It was proven wrong. I was going to say Lawton was, was big fans with the author Grubb.
0: Yes, he so they, wanted him they, to they even collaborated write it a lot too yeah yeah I man unfortunately Grubb just was a little inexperienced in hollywood so he was unable to do this script and 51 aggie he was a strong drinker and chain smoker he had his first heart attack and then in 55 he had his second and fatal one while he was in new york city in a taxi cab on his way to a doctor's appointment so <laughs> close lillian gish the she, badass the badass truly she was the first lady of american cinema as she was called and she uh, is credited with pioneering fundamental film performance techniques and her career spans 75 years from 1912 and silent film shorts all the way to 1987. A lot of television. Ooh. After their initial meeting, Lillian Gish asked Charles Lawton why he wanted her for the part. And he replied, quote, when I went, first went to the movies, they sat in their seats straight and leaned forward. Now they slump down with their heads back and eat candy and popcorn. I want them to sit up straight again. End quote. Mm-hmm. She unfortunately died of heart failure in 93 and she was eight months away from a hundred years old. So that's a shame. Final fun fact with her, the old rock band Smashing Pumpkins named their debut album after her uh, because Billy Corgan's grandmother used to tell him that one of the biggest moments of her life was when she rode through town on the train. And that was a big deal to him. So he went ahead and gave a shout out to one of the good ones. One of the good. And Lawton shot her,
1: shot her on the film. Like, like a silent movie. So oh, yeah. like there was always like a, like a halo around her. Obviously she was the, the heavenly savior, the love part, but like it, her shots sometimes are like out of a silent movie. Yeah. Absolutely. When she's seen. And, that, um, and
0: actually during the filming, Lawton had studied silent films including birth of a nation *Intolerance*, and the four horsemen of the apocalypse, because he wanted to get a little bit of a silent film vibe into talkies. And even while directing, like he wouldn't cut takes, like he would direct the actors while they were still rolling which was something he used to do during the The silent silent films. And when he first read the novel, he thought, hey, you know who's going to be good for this role as preacher? Me. (laughs) But the producer was like, dude, I'm sorry. They're not going to finance this movie. We got to get someone else. He was able to get a good cast. And for the most part, he didn't actually hold traditional auditions. Unfortunately, it wasn't karaoke as well, like we alluded to before. Um, He just kind of met with them, got a sense of who they were, their personalities, and if they'd be right for the role. So he just kind of vibed them out. Initially, he considered casting Gary Cooper as Harry Powell, but Cooper just thought it wasn't a good move for his career. John Carradine was up for it, possibly, as was Lawrence Olivier, but his schedule was not going to be free for another two years. That's really getting your jobs ready to and go. And then you have
1: Olivier and Lawton going at it, probably. Like, two, oh, like, yeah. conceited yeah. British actors. I think <laughs> That's they're they're <laughs> <best>. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, best sparring. Best of all. I- I'm picturing, like, the Tom Hanks, John Lovitz. SNL acting like that. Okay. Like they're trying to overact each other. Well, Who's thankfully, directing who here?
0: Thankfully, we got Mitchum. He really wanted this part. He was very excited about it. And he, when he auditioned a moment that really clinched it for Lawton was when he saw him and he was describing that it was a diabolical shit. And Mitchum instantly was like, present. Uh, and he liked that. And he also liked him for the role partly due to his sexual persona, but Grubb was concerned with the character being a little too sexual and Lawton told him, quote, if you want to sell God, you have to be sexy, end quote.
3: That's wow. Amazing. That's as far as
0: the role of Willa Harper goes, you had Agnes Moorhead, Grace Kelly, and Betty Grable up for the role in consideration. Wow. But Lawton chose Shelley Winters because he felt that she had a vulnerable quality and was more of a serious actor than a movie star. And she only committed to the role two weeks before filming had began. In her 1989 memoir, she described this as, quote, probably the most thoughtful and reserved performance I ever gave, which I would agree mm-hmm. with.
3: Yeah, definitely.
0: A shame um, they- she's not
1: in it any, mo- any longer. Truly well, is, but yeah. Uh,
0: one, one reason for that maybe because they only had 36 days to shoot this thing and Mitchum actually, mm. the studio didn't have much confidence in this movie and he was booked to do a whole other role so he actually had to come back and do reshoots, particularly like the last scene with the cops was one of those. But Shelley Winters had told Lawton that she had an image of Willa being, quote, a fly fascinated by a spider and she was very willingly walks into this web, end quote. And so he right. liked this image and told her to channel that into the performance and then of course we get that beautiful spider web on the river scene uh, oh. which again was a sound stage charles lawton he he did work well with john but again he did not get along with pearl and shouted at her a, on occasion he would have that like i was saying before he would continue to roll after scenes were finished and a lot of those scenes were her reacting to him so maybe some of those tears were some charles lawton tears <laughs>
1: yeah um, is there any sort of um I, I i know that we talked about yeah just now with him not getting along with the kid actors charles lawton but we know he like gish loved him and like all the actors loved work because he was an actor's actor directing them yeah. but i haven't seen anything about him getting along with mitchum or how they interacted because mitchum was obviously a hothead and it could be a bit to difficult get along with sometimes
0: uh well did... I, I, I will say that in later in his life mitchum usually didn't really own up to anything like you know caring about movies He was always just like hey you know i remember lines and how to ride a horse basically <laughs> um, but he actually called charles lawton his favorite director and said wow. that this was his favorite movie that he had ever acted in.
2: Wow. Wow. So maybe it was like an opposites thing where they just had some type of synergy. You know what I mean? Like it just, it, maybe it just kind of worked. Truly.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like he, he definitely believed in the material. He was willing to like step up and help direct yeah. the kids. And Right, it, right. You always hear stories about Mitchum. like, if someone just is having a hard time actor wise with like the picture, like he would come in and be very reassuring. Yeah. And it, it seemed like in this case, it was just the kids because everyone else is pretty confident. The novelist, David Grubb, he actually said that Charles Lawn had wanted the film to closely resemble the mental pictures that the author had while writing the book. So Grubb actually was a amateur sketch artist. And so he had actually done a lot of the storyboards like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah they absolutely need to make this
1: like a book of those. It would be great. Of his sketches, Hillier Brown's storyboards and production stuff. I would yeah, to like that. he
0: did over a hundred pen and ink drawings for the film, and he said, "quote I declare, perhaps immodestly, that I was not only the author of the novel from which the screenplay was adapted, but was also the scene designer as well." Well,
1: it's not like I need any more coffee table film art books. But <laughs> quite a few, but man, I would love to have this
2: one. We'll yeah. throw them
0: in the J card for the cassette v issue. <laughs> yeah. And Paul Gregory, the producer, and Charles Lawton, they had worked together from plays and stuff, so they had a long relationship, and they were more reasons for them of how they're good guys. They actually presented key members of the crew, like the cinematographer, Stanley Cortez. They each got a 1% interest in the film on top of their salaries, which is something that does not happen.
1: Especially not
0: then, yeah. Absolutely. And they just, they really wanted to reward them for their artistry. They want to let them know that we believed in their work and United Artists was not too fond of that, but they definitely wanted to do what was right. Speaking to Stanley Cortez, he was also worked with Orson Welles on The Magnificent Ambersons. Oh. And later on, <laughs> uh, he said that he, there was only two directors he had worked with that had understood light and that was Lawton and Welles.
1: You know, just, just two, you know, no-name directors, Charles Lawton or some couple guys. guys,
0: Yeah. yeah. Here's a fun fact about the trial at the end where you hear everyone chanting Bluebeard. 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 It's in reference to a French folktale of a man who married several women and then killed them. So a little apropos.
1: Really quickly, here's my other shout out to Shout Factory so we can all get free stuff from Shout Factory. Please. I've gotten the mail last week. They just did a limited edition. Sometimes they do exclusives for their website of like you can only get it on shoutfactory.com, and they only make like fifteen hundred copies. I think this one was fifteen hundred. There's a 1970s version of Bluebeard. It's been made by. There's a, a John Carradine version of Bluebeard of basically he's playing the you know, the suave guy that kills widows. That one's really good, and that's public domain. But I think it was in the 40s. But there's a 1970s one that has not been available on DVD, Blu-ray, anything. I've always wanted to see it as Richard Burton. In his like '70s alcohol-induced <laughs> stupor, being Bluebeard, and apparently it's very—it's like not necessarily softcore, but it's it's definitely adult. I don't remember who directed, it, but Shout Factory just put it out, and apparently there's only a quote few copies left of it, and I have. Oh not. damn! Wow. But it's apparently really good. I don't know what good means, as in it's an interesting curio or actually a good film but so i recommend put, the 40s version with john Kennedy. we
0: we enjoy both those versions of good so yes. don't worry that sounds awesome we'll look, i was just to we'll say I, hopefully
1: you get a copy
2: i looked yeah. it up so it not only was it directed by edward dimitrick which is amazing because he's a great oh, wow. director but it's richard Burton and raquel welsh is in it yes oh. yes yeah this is fascinating 70s raquel welsh yeah, yeah. wow looking yeah. forward to checking that out yeah this looks interesting
1: but bluebeard they say it about 18 times in that one scene
0: A little more about Stanley Cortez. He actually, because Lawton had so little experience working with film, of course, we said it was his first movie. He would actually visit his house to explain concepts of camera lenses, camera heights, and what effect would happen with each of those. So definitely doing his research. And Robert Golden, the film's editor, he said that once he screened the complete film to one of the United Artists studio executives for the first time, they told him, quote, it's too arty. (laughs) Mitchum everyone was always saying how it was such a change in pace for him. And one time he said, quote, I haven't changed anything but my underwear, end quote. <laughs> and then I'll say, I got last three, very quickly. The money used to depict the stolen 10,000, it's actually Mexican 10 and hundreds pesos. And the bills were last printed in 1914. So they were already worthless by the time this movie was filmed. Oh. Only a prop. Couldn't actually take the money with you and enjoy yourself. The film was remade as a TV movie in 1991 starring Richard Chamberlain. Yeah. That, that might be a bonus episode if we can yeah. find it. I'd be curious. Uh, yes. And unfortunately, in 2020, it was reported that Universal Pictures are working on a remake of the film set in the present day. And yeah.
1: Present day? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, I'm going to have to say two thumbs down to that one. <laughs> if, I, if they did a remake but set it in like the 20s or 30s, I, I, I think.
0: You could I'd do, do
1: that. I, also,
0: I think you Meryl need Streep to
1: do, as Rachel Cooper. Ooh. You know. Yeah. Something
0: like that. I think you would need to do it as a mini series because like you were saying, like you would need to spend more time with some of these themes. Yeah. Like it, it goes a little fast but works because of the era and just the brilliance of the movie. But it'd be fun to spend more time in the town doing the little preachers in the tent and the seeing the relationship develop. I, I that would be interesting, but ultimately it's probably not worth it. We don't need it. Yeah. That's it. Night of the Hunter, the sun has come up.
1: The sun has come up. A fairy tale noir. Are there other fairy tale noirs that, that come to mind? Because this isn't a class all its own. I mean, you have to, like we said, it's a horror movie, it's a fairy tale, it's a film noir. I, it has to be Kiss of Death, of right? Once.
2: Kiss of Death is basically like The Wizard of Oz, you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm completely kidding. No. Oh, but not. I,
1: for a second i got confused with one of my absolute favorites kiss me deadly but which you've already done but yes um, speaking of
0: kiss me deadly i also forgot to mention that i did a double feature last night this was the second movie but i opened with repo man and boy what a what a great Speaking double of feature. kiss me deadly yeah yes. speaking of yes. my <laughs> uh, so i just want to shout out repo man if you haven't seen it in a
1: while check it out it's great i feel like i watch it once every couple of years I want to watch it last year.
2: So every year, I watch it once a year. Yeah. I love that. It's one of my all-time favorites. I love it. Yeah,
0: I watch this movie every year. I was surprised that you guys are able to stay away from it for so long, but this is a Halloween favorite for me. I, I think I, I love seeing that terrifying Mitchum. I want to get spooked. That's so good. Do you guys have any other further thoughts on the, the Night of the Hunter, Noir, Mitchum, Repo Man? What do you got?
2: Just thanks for coming, John. It <laughs> is great. We're ready. Great to have we are, are on, so yeah. ready
0: to say thank you for coming. Thank you for coming back. If you're gonna come back we would love to have you this this was always one we knew it was coming as well because you you, you take all the boxes you you literally are station. if you put the two of us together we could talk comics we could talk criterion movies music boy could we i mean yeah. what a perfect human being you are john and we're so <laughs> grateful you exist and that you were able to grace us with your existence on this show in life anyone would be lucky to know you so thank you so much for coming by
1: well thank you you guys i'm happy to have lived long enough to know two of my colleagues have put together an awesome podcast and i i wish you've already done so many episodes that are like my favorite I'm, when you when i talk favorite film noirs i mean you, you've done the big sleep right you've done kiss yep. me deadly
3: mm-hmm.
1: you've done D- double indemnity mm-hmm. yep. you've done the killing mm-hmm. I'm trying to yep. think of all my favorite ones <laughs> i mean touch of evil have you even touched that we First, did we, do touch of oh evil, yeah. yeah right no, yeah, yeah. Third man, you already did third man, right? Did not no. do third man. Third oh. man. Nope. Okay, so well, you be our third,
0: third man, John.
1: It's like it writes itself. Don't you? <laughs> it is my. It. I think it's the perfect film noir. I think it's one of the most perfectest perfect movies in the history of cinema. But I don't want to oversell it. But okay. yeah, no, well, if you well, ever we, do we that, we
0: look forward to your opinion when we bring you yeah. back. Don't worry. Yes. <laughs> or
1: well, that'll the wrong be great. man. If you ever do the wrong man, Hitchcock. If you if you ever do yeah, Hitchcock I know that, noir. Yeah. The wrong man is uh is one of my favorites.
0: Come come back, John will be on our man double feature, man with two
1: ends. So many men, too many men, maybe. too many
0: men. We'll end it with uh, a viewing of Manhunter by Michael Mann, and uh, it'll
2: be great. I say lots of Michael Mann movies, life. yeah, yeah. neo noir, yeah. I hope
0: we I hope we do a Michael Mann for neo noir, but I don't know if we're that well thought ahead. I don't know if we. I don't know. Scheduled. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I kinda feel like you have to. He's (laughs) got about fifty Neo Noirs.
0: It's true. Well, come back. Well, next week we'll have the announcement of what that movie is gonna be. But yes, lots to come, and please join us next week for 1953's City That Never
3: Sleeps. What's better than money? You tell me. Black magic of Hayes Stewart. Darling, give me some magic. Best, the best magician. Your magic touch. I'm in a different world. No wonder I'm willing to give up everything. Room 320. This the best. Sally's way up. Okay. This is it, Kitten. nervous about you don't have to rub his face in it but darling i was rubbing your face in it oh you're upset i've stolen a lot of things in my life but never someone's wife
2: (laughs) what's so funny you with a conscience i can't wait to get your opinion about this one joey
0: i'm looking forward (laughs) to it This, this, this
2: this one is this movie is wild
0: I'm looking forward to getting out of this spooky October and into a toasty November. So looking forward to that. Please give us an email, the real out of the podcast at gmail.com. If you feel like using your fingers, uh, we're also on social media out of the podcast on Instagram and Facebook out of the cast on Twitter. Say hi, if you want to, thanks for playing along. Either way, always glad to know the Noiros are out there buying the blue rays. Spending money. We want to know you're spending your money along with the show.
2: Talking film noir. Hey. So wanna, many boutique Blu-rays. <laughs> <Yep>. Yes.
0: <laughs> if you sold all of our collections between the three of us, boy, what a payday you would get.
1: <laughs> we, could, we could buy a house in an affluent community. Yes. We'd have to share it, but it would be out of the podcast house.
0: How about when you come back, we'll bring on an insurance adjuster as the fourth guest, and they'll tell us what it's going to cost for all all this nonsense.
1: I think that makes for some great... I was going to say great radio, but, you know, great podcast. I think it does. Well, we do film noir,
0: so we'll say radio here. (laughs) Yes. We'll be like your mom who's like, hey, can I hear your radio show on the phone?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You, you, You just you were just saying your mom is and everybody's in general, but yeah, that might be my mom. And I know I said, she should be listening. So my mom I can actually you're, say hi, mom. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, hello, mom. <laughs> hello to the moms out we there. We love your moms. Yeah, We moms. love your moms. I mean, John, your mom, especially she's killing on the Christmas gifts. You got to know that. Like we, we, we really? definitely, if your mom is listening, you're doing a great job. Day. I mean, beyond raising a hell of a son, it, what's most important is you give good Christmas gifts and you did it. We're, we're all jealous over here. So
1: we'll see if she can come on as another guest. Cause she's, much more knowledgeable of any movie from 1930 to 1970 than I am. So,
0: wow! We'll see what we could put together. Sounds <laughs> like you're you're in charge of booking on that one, my friend.
1: Guess so. I'll talk yes. to her person.
0: All right. Well, in the interest of uh, saving the rest of the clock time here, and also, hey, thanks for coming again, John. Uh, it was a flawless episode. No no hijinks. And. Thank you for coming to uh, your ears, the the listeners' ears. Thank you for joining us as, again, and we'll see you next week. In the meantime, everybody, Dan, John, here's, here's the to crime. crime.
1: Here's the crime.
0: It in. Leaning,
2: leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning. What a a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness What a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms
3: Leaning
2: Leaning on Jesus Jesus. Leaning
3: Leaning on Jesus Safe and secure from all.